say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance to be who you want to be. Yeah. Hi everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and I say it every week and I really mean it. I have another great show. Why? Because i got another great guest. Her name is Gretchen Anderson. She wrote this, I know, for those of you who are listening on podcast because we're doing this live, you know, because we do this live every week. This is the book right here. It's called The Critical Few and she co-wrote this book. unbelievable book if you're into company culture and by the way you should be because company culture whether you want to acknowledge it or not you have one okay I promise you whether you've deliberately tried to create a culture or not in your company you have a culture I promise you do we're gonna talk to her in just a few minutes I'm telling you this book is a dream I don't care what you do in your business I don't care where you're at in the chain of command if you're a coach or consultant I am telling you, this book is a handbook, okay? So you're going to want to listen to everything that Gretchen has to say because Gretchen Anderson co-wrote this book. She amazing book. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but let's do what we do every week, right? Let's check in with you in the four areas of your life, right? The physical, the mental, the emotional, and spiritual, right? Because I believe we're four-part people. And so let's talk about your numbers. One being miserable, 10 being outstanding, Physically, where are you at right now? Are you are you a three, a four, or five? You know, how are you feeling? Are you feeling good, right? Maybe um, you know you exercising. You know, getting a little extra exercise. You know, have you given up on that resolution already? We're only in the first part of March, so don't give up on that yet. All right. And you know, are you eating right? Are you doing all the things that you need to do? Are you getting? Are you are you are you are you putting the fork down? Maybe cutting down, right? Keeping your hands out of the bag of chips, right? I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about how easy it is, right? You open up a bag of chips, you know, let's say it's a bag of, like, Cheetos or something like that, and the next thing you know, you've got your your colored yellow all the way up to your elbow, right? So, you know, we have to be careful of those type of things. So, are you eating right, doing the right things, and what's your number, right? And the goal here is, right, whatever number you're at, I don't care if you're a 4 or 7 or whatever the number is, the object is not to get you to a 10 immediately. I just want to get you to the next number. So what do you need to do, if you're thinking about it right now, whatever you're at physically, what do you need to do to get to that next number? Got it? Okay, good. All right, mentally, where are you at mentally? All right, what are you feeding your brain? Remember, there's two halves of our brain, right? We've got that left side, logical side, right, the Mr. Spock side, and then we have that right side, creative side, that artistic side, right? What are you doing to feed and grow your brain? Are you reading books? I am so fortunate to be doing a show like this. I read about 40 some odd books a year. I get to read them cover to cover and it grows my brain. What are you feeding that brain, right? What are you doing to grow that, to nourish it? And by the way, I don't care how old you are. You can always be growing your brain. Yes, your body's going to kind of give out on you, but you know what? Your brain can continually grow. And so what are you doing there to feed your brain? Got that number? Right? Three, four, seven, eight, nine. Good for you. All right? So you got two numbers, physical number, mental number. All right? Scale of one to ten, emotionally. How are you doing? And what's beautiful about the emotional, right? I call it, we call it emotional quotient or sometimes emotional intelligence. And I, I love talking about that because emotional intelligence is so important to our health. Okay? And so on a scale of one to ten, one being miserable, ten being outstanding, how well are you able to control your own emotions? Do little things get to you? Are you able to sit back and take it all in? Do you react immediately? Or can you kind of keep yourself together, right? A lot of this is about intention, right? So much of this is about intention. Uh, Somebody asked me the other day, you know, something broke. And they said, well, how do you stay so calm? It's because I choose to, right? Emotionally, you have choices. You do not have to respond and react in, in a way, just because certain circumstances happen to you, you do not have to react in that way. You have choices. And then the other part of the emotional intelligence quotient thing is how well are you able to relate to other people's emotions? And can you respond appropriately to those? Right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing emotionally? All right? So we got three numbers. And then finally, the fourth number is your spiritual number. Right? And you go, well, Jay, I'm not really a spiritual person. Well... I know that you say that, but we really are all kind of spiritual people, believe it or not. We, we believe in something. 
You know, the fact of the matter is you get up every morning and you believe that you're going to have a job. You don't know for sure that you will. You, you kind of really do it by faith. I know you kind of don't think it's faith, but the truth of the matter is you could wake up in the morning and you don't have a job. So you just believe that it's going to be there. So we all kind of operate out of a faith-based way of living. Okay, on some level. And and some of us, we get our energy from all sorts of different things, whether it's nature. And some for some folks, it is God. And, and if that is the case, how's that going for you? Okay. But where are you at spiritually? What is it about you giving you a sense of peace? Right? A sense of, of joy. I didn't say happiness, joy. And how are you doing with all that on a scale of 1 to 10? You got that number? Good. So you have four numbers, right? So now I'm going to ask you at those four numbers, right? And you need to think of those as the four legs of a table. You know, if that's uneven, it's really hard to eat off of a table, right? But at the same time, if all those numbers are really low, it's really, really difficult to eat off of a really t low table when you're sitting in a normal chair. So the whole goal is to be well-balanced and also to make sure that your table's at the right height. So what do you need to do today? What is the first thing that you could do? What is the behavior that you could do right now? to change what you're doing. And talk. speaking of change, and I, I am so grateful and feel such a pleasure to have Gretchen Anderson with us today. Gretchen Anderson co-wrote this book, The Critical Few. And I want to tell you, she is... Okay, just, just let me just let me lay some stuff on you. Gretchen Anderson is the director of the Kazenbach Center, PwC Center for Excellence and Innovation, in corporate culture, leadership, and learning. She has more than 15 years of global cross-industry experience advising organizations and their leaders on the complex relationship between individual motivation and organizational performance. Gretchen began her career at the Kazenbach Partners, a boutique strategy firm founded by Wisdom of Teams author John Kazenbach where she served client organizations on topics at the intersection of strategy and organization. Through the incubation of the Katzenbach Center at PwC, Gretchen has cultivated a wide global network of practitioners and clients with a shared passion for exploring new organizational culture and, uh, and that can really catalyze real change. Uh, she is... Uh, She's absolutely fabulous. I, I, I read something about her that she also likes to cultivate plants and does her own tweets. So I know that as well. She is brought <laughs> to us today by uh, our fine corporate sponsors, inline business brokers and advisors, and they partner with business owners when it's time to sell their business. So if when it's time to sell your business, or perhaps you know somebody is, contact the professionals at inline business brokers and advisors. You can learn more at inline.com. That's E-N-L-I gn.com and so everybody would you please welcome gretchen anderson to the show gretchen welcome to a new direction hi jay thank you so much for having me you are so welcome i am very uh excited because i am a culture freak i love business mm. culture as a consultant and a coach and i love business culture because i think it influences so much more than we're willing really willing to acknowledge and I think we ignore culture so much. Is that your experience too, that a lot of businesses ignore it? I do, and I, or I think even more than ignore, I do think that businesses increasingly, leaders and people within organizations, I do think increasingly like to talk about culture, but I think a really practical understanding of what can be done mm. and why it should matter and what actions they could take are still very, very great at people. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I don't understand that um, disconnect, especially in the business world about culture, because, you know, if we go to a foreign country, right, they have their own, you know, unique language and their own unwritten rules, norms and expectations, right? And we don't, and we go, oh, yeah, I need to kind of obey those things, right? And I have mm -hmm. to kind of follow those things. But then when we apply it back to a business, we it, we kind of lose it. It's kind of like going, oh well, that doesn't exist. I, I've I've created my own culture. Yeah, but I think I think in that situation, like you know, you drop down in France or your family's on vacation in the Middle East or whatever that is. I think at that point, the you know, when a different language is actually being spoken, um, you can't ignore that culture difference piece. But I think it gets much harder in. in when you walk into an organization and you're trying to figure out what is the culture or you're trying to work with a new client or figure out what is their culture or you've gotten a new job and you're trying to say, what is the culture here? 
often the culture is exactly those things that aren't written down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the unspoken, the tacit set of assumptions we make. If I walk into a meeting, are people going to put their phones down? Are people going to make eye contact? If I took out a sandwich and started eating it, would everybody raise their eyebrows? You know, there's there's a whole set of like agreements a group of people come to in order to be able to work together with something like harmony and productivity. Um, it just takes time to figure that out. Yeah. I And, and you know, I think, you know, correct me here, but I think sometimes what happens is we will, if, if you're an entrepreneur, you're, let's say you create a business or you're CEO of a corporate culture or corporate business, we just assume, I think, just so frequently that I, I have laid down the law so everybody knows the culture. And so this yeah. this is the culture. And I, and right, isn't it, it's a mistake to believe that you know what your culture is because your culture may not be what you think it is. Yes, absolutely. I, and, and that's such a great example. I when working right now with a, an entrepreneur. I live in the city of Baltimore and I'm working sort of for fun, just kind of advising an entrepreneur who works in a, a green construction company and just reached out because he loved the book. And I've been talking to him. My a team of mine said, well, let's get together and try to talk about what are your traits. And we'll talk to everybody in your company and sort of see what's what's innate to you guys. And he's like, I really want to know about my culture. You know, I want to see what it is. And then we we brought him into a room and one of those traits was leader led, you know, and, and it was as all traits of an organization are, it has its positive and its negative ramifications. You know, this, this entrepreneur is passionate about his business. He has created a culture that is leader led and he didn't want to see it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and in a, in a genial, lovely way, he argued and argued against it. And everybody else in the room was like, you know, we, we kind of, you know, you're the leader. <laughs> and it was, it was a really beautiful moment. And I was like, this is why doing this stuff is useful, right? Like we just helped stage manage a conversation that really needed to happen. Right. Right. And, and it, it, isn't that really maybe, maybe the missing part of the missing link is that we're not having conversations about culture? Yeah, or we're not having conversations about culture in the right way, Jay. I mean, I really think, I think everybody likes to talk about it, you know, or I think everybody likes to complain about it and to blame culture when you can't get something to happen that you want to happen. And then it becomes a kind of like, well, it's just the culture and it becomes a kind of excuse to throw our hands in the air and say, "Eh, you know, here's the way it is. And I think it's, I think it's that we're not talking about, um, Actually, was I was drawing while you were talking earlier about physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energy and referencing four legs of a stool because we love to talk about the three legs of a stool right. being strategy, operations, and culture. And we talk about this over and over in the book. You know, just this notion that there is no organization that doesn't have these three things in some form of interdependence. The the strategy needs to be where you're going. The operations are, how are you set up to get there? And the culture is, how will people be motivated Mm. to fall in line with that strategy or shift it? Mm. How will people be motivated to work in the way that we designed the operating model to function? Mm. Um, And those three things are absolutely interdependent and need to be understood as in concert with each other. Um, And that, that is really, really key to the way that we talk about culture and what we try to get leaders to understand when we work with them or try to get anyone to understand when they're saying, my culture is a problem. And we're like, it's not anymore. It, it's a fact and a thing that understanding and being specific and granular about is going to help you deal with better. You know, uh, I want to, uh, I, I want to, I want to be able to talk about this in a, uh, I want to be able to talk about this in a really, I guess, I, 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 in a in a in a in a in a fun way, but also in a professional way. I know that it's sure because <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I'm in the middle of that Venn diagram, Jay. Yeah. So here's here is the thing about culture that I guess kind of attracted me, especially from the book standpoint, is 
You talk about culture really as we talk about, as a psychological professional, as I talk about any organism, meaning that, mm. meaning that so often we focus on change when mm. trying to change something when we really haven't identified what it is first, you know, mm, what the problems yeah. are or what, what there existed. And I know that what you have a tendency to do and what this book first does is it says, okay, well, let's, let's take a look at your culture here for a second. Let's start with the traits of your mm-hmm. culture, right? Identifying what your traits are, right? What, why start there? Why not just jump right into behavior? Yeah, because it's such a good question, Jay. Thank you for being such an attentive reader. It's because, first of all, one of the main things that we say, um, oh, first of all, you'll love this. John Katzenbach, who I've worked with now for 15 years, you know, has been writing and thinking in this field for nearly 50 years. Um, he hates the term culture change. If there, was a, if there was a term he could strike out of every, you know, he redlines it out of every document in front of him. Um, because he's like, there is no way to change a culture. The most you can hope for is to evolve it. Cultures reinforce themselves. They move at their own pace. So, you know, get culture change out of your mind. What you're hoping to do is evolve it. And then if you accept that, like if evolution, then the question would be, why? Like, what's your what for? You know, what is the, the culture has grown up in the way that it has to support what it does today, you know, for the most part. Now, when you can feel a real kind of organizational drag or when you can feel, I mean, there's some things, there is no perfect metric of culture, but let's say retention is completely out of sync with peer organizations. I'm going to want to look at that. You know, like there's some things that would suggest there's something going on here in the culture that makes it feel incoherent for people that makes um, work harder to get done than it should be to get done. Uh, but but the question really needs to be, and, and we spend time on the traits because we say, whatever you're going to do with your culture, when you know that North Star of the priority you're trying to get to, here at PwC where I live, it's all about, we are a people business that is looking to figure out ways to deliver and behave more digitally. And it is, it's kind of countercultural, right? Like it's, right, right. it's a... You know, I I have grown up as a professional consultant. I get my energy from working with people face-to-face. So you're asking me to go against my brain, Mm. right? So the way to get me to do that is to understand what are my core – what way to get me individually, Gretchen Anderson, to do that is to say, well, what are my core traits? You know, given who I am and what I value, I'm highly relationship-focused. I'm highly competitive. You know, I'm a person who likes networks, you know, so given those core traits, how can you present something to me like the tool Salesforce? And how can I finally get excited about it? Because I can see it as a way to better network with my peers, yeah. right? Like how can you attach that digital way of behaving to right. a trait that I know that I have? Right. Because that's easier than just saying, here's what you need to do. So that's, that's very much, very, very, very much why we start with the traits. And then we also um, think a lot about if you're not clear on where you're starting from, if you're not clear what the sort of, and you'll like this term, Jay, like what are the sources of like emotional energy within the organization? What do people irrationally value more than you think they're going to, unless you ask them? If you can tap those reservoirs of what people value, take pride in, particularly kind of in their reptilian part of their brains, you know, like, the things that make people feel safe and cared for at that company. If you can tap those, that kind of energy in those things, you're just going to have that is a natural source of resilience and initiative that you have that is much, much harder to impose from the outside. We're talking with Gretchen Anderson. She's co-author of this book entitled The Critical Few, Energize Your Company's Culture by Choosing What Really Matters on here on A New Direction. And she is brought to us today by inline business brokers and advisors. Are you a business owner? At some point, you're going to need the services of an experienced business broker. Selling your business is a huge decision. Make sure you build your deal team with starting with the experts at inline business brokers and advisors. Learn more online at inline. That's E N. 
L-I-G-N.com and you can get more information. And as always, we are grateful to our sponsors at Enline Business and Brokers for bringing us uh, Gretchen and a new direction. So Gretchen, one of the things I noted in the book when we talk about traits, right, which I, I which by the way, I loved this idea of, you know, how we ask those questions, right? I loved one of the things that you said is, you know, what would you tell people about why you work at your company? Ultimately, right, is one of the questions, right? We try to get at traits. And I loved that whole idea of how we go about trying to access those traits. But one of the things that I particularly loved about when we talk about traits is that they're they're, they're neither good or bad. They're neither, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're It's a neutral. Traits are a neutral. Sp- expend a little more time about talking about that neutrality of traits. Yeah, and it's very core to how we talk about culture, every trait has, let's go back to that example I gave about the Baltimore company, about how that organization was leader led, right? Like, because it was leader led, there was a kind of coherence to what people felt like they should be doing, you know, at the end of the day, they would ask him, right? Like there was a, a sort of clarity. He was a really inspiring guy, you know, there was a sort of spiritual center to that company, but leader led, of course, has negative ramifications as well, or not even, let's not even say negative, Jay, let's say there are ways that gets in the way of the business, right? Like you're not growing up as many leaders because people who see themselves in that role might move on. You're not um, encouraging the kind of decision-making that gets pushed down that sometimes can lead to innovation. So you're, you have positive and negative ramifications, ways that that's supporting you and ways that that's probably going to be things to watch out for, things that can get in the way. And it's really important to be able to have that dialogue in an open way within an organization because much like an MBTI test, much like if Jay, if you and I were on a team and we did our Myers-Briggs assessment and we defined, you know, you as an extrovert and me as an introvert. And I am. We could find you are. Oh, <laughs> oh that's my gosh, so I'm an ENTJ. Yeah. I'm an ENTJ. Um, an ENTJ. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm actually an extrovert too. But let's call let's call it an let's call me an introvert. Like we have conversations when something comes up, we're like, oh, it gives us a non-evaluative way to talk about things that are happening, ground our conversation in a way that isn't like you're right and I'm wrong. It gives us a way to say, these are our core traits, which are neither good nor bad. That's what we propose about traits, right? Only we're not proposing them in sort of these four precise dimensions. We're kind of saying your core traits are thumbprints. They're like a fingerprint of what your organization is, you know, and they've sort of built up over time and supported the way that you do business for a reason and understanding what those traits are and getting people to kind of agree on them and starting from them is really core to having a conversation about culture that is grounded in who are we and what can we do better rather than grounded in that hand wavy, the culture's getting in the way moment that I talked about in the beginning. You know, it's the very beginning of, yeah, okay, here's what we are. Here's what we do well. Let's try to do a little more of that. Right. We're talking with Gretchen Anderson, uh, co-author of the book, The Critical Few, uh, outstanding book. By the way, uh, for those of you who are listening on uh, podcast, you don't know everything that's going on. We do this show, also Facebook Live, and we've been having some issues Facebook Live, so it's been in and out. So I want to apologize to all these people who have been trying to watch this Facebook Live and it keeps shutting off. I just want to let you know, I don't know what that is. It's a Facebook issue. It's not our issue because we are doing just fine online. So I uh, can't explain it, so I just want to apologize to you. But the book is a title of The Critical Few, and we're talking about this order. I guess I want to call it an order of procedure of how you work and operate. And what I loved about this book as a consultant and a coach to businesses myself, to me, you gave me a handbook. So, you know, I, I, I love this because this is just a handbook for me of how to approach clients. And because for even for me, my first jump would be to jump right into behavioral change, right? What are the behaviors? Mm-hmm. What do we want to change? Right. That's, that's my natural, as a psychological professional, that is my bent immediately mm-hmm. is to look at, okay, what are the what are the reinforcers that we can use to encourage a change in behavior and what do we have available to us? 
But we, we're started with traits. We've identified those traits. Then, you know, part of your whole idea of a critical few is that you could you could potentially come up with, you know, hundreds. You know, I mean, if you, you're mm-hmm. a big enough com- company, but you have to you have to be able to get these down to a critical few traits, right? Yes. Yes, and and let me make the metaphor. And I, again, I'm so glad we started with your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual exercise because I I see how you think, and I know that you'll what I'm about to say will resonate for you. Like it is exactly like all of us living as adults in physical bodies in the 21st century have at some point had the experience of like trying to get healthier, right? right? Like that's almost a universal. Right. Um, what, and, and there are 1 million things. I could read all of the data. I could go for a comprehensive study of how I, Gretchen Anderson, living in this 47-year-old body in 19, you know, in this year, what are all the millions of things that I right. could do? Should I be sleeping more? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And we also all know that you cannot change everything. Right. And what you need to pick, you know, I've started to travel with my yoga mat. You know, like... I need to pick some self-reinforcing couple of behaviors that I know I can repeat. I know they're easy to measure. They're easy to be visibly say to myself. It's not like a mindset shift. It's actually a way of behaving that I can say to myself, I did or I didn't do this. Right. Right? So that's kind of a, we understand that truism from like the world of living in a body and being healthy. Um, We are arguing that about organizations. We are saying, comprehensively trying to change everything is you could come up with a million great ideas for ways that everybody in your organization could behave. But if you don't focus on a couple organization wide, it's, it's almost ineffective, Right. right? Because you need to be able to keep things consistent. You need to have conversations around them. You need to be able to talk about why they're hard. You need to be able to anchor them in what people think, feel and believe. So that's, that's the argument for the critical few. And it's, and it's much like we are arguing for culture as an ecosystem and we're saying it's also possible to narrow in. So that notion of critical few, that's why that's the title. You know, it really is about focusing inside and figuring out what's most important. Yeah. I, I, I agreed with the whole premise because one of the things that I agreed with you on when it came to the critical few in regard to you know, narrowing down is first of all, it's, it would be terribly difficult. You you can't do everything, but then, Mm -mm. you know, how do we, how do we focus on what traits that we write that we really want to take a look at more closely and, and attach now, you know, we're going to start to attach behaviors to that, that became, you know, that became a very interesting concept because it's like, well, picking and choosing those traits Right, and then picking and ch- and then all of a sudden now we're going to design behaviors right around these traits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, the the critical nature of it is is what is can be I think daunting for some people or some companies. Yeah, yeah, and again, so I think what you're asking me implicitly, Jay, is then how do you know you've got the right ones, right? right. Like how do you know yeah. what those are? Yeah. And that's where let me get to the the kind of third way we talk about the critical few is the critical few people. We call them authentic and formal leaders in the book, but a lot of organizations use different language for this, right? Like what matters is there are people within every organization, no matter how large or small, who have some combination of high, you use the term EQ, the Daniel Goleman term, some combination of EQ, general respect of others, and kind of knowledge of the way stuff gets done. And those people exist in the organization and and are a source of energy, ideas, and motivation. And they usually, in the best programs that we work on, in the best engagements underneath the most innovative leaders, we see those people being tapped to make sure the traits are right, to to come up with those behaviors and really workshop them and talk about what they would look like. And also to come up with the the real ideas, which is the kind of pedal to the metal moment of if we're all doing more of these behaviors, what will this look like in our daily business? And, you know, how could we attach these to things that we know that we're going to measure? You know, how can we make them real and specific? So it's the real enabler of making sure you get them right is making sure that you ask 
the right people and finding those right people and breaking open what we like to call like natural leadership team myopia is right. the real is the real trick. Yeah, I I loved this AIL, right? The the ALs, the I, I don't know if you call them ALs. I did because that's how I read it. But it, you know, the we'll run with that, Jay. Okay, we're gonna run with that. The, the <laughs> authentic, you know, informal leaders. I loved that because. I saw them as I was interpreting it, you know, listening, I, I was thinking, they're also these influencers that are not mm -hmm. necessarily in leadership roles. They don't have the formal title, but they yet, they influence the company because of who they are, what they do, their uh, knowledge. They don't necessarily, I think you said this, I think in the book, was they don't necessarily have this aspiration to be in mm -hmm. leadership, but they but they clearly do lead from their position and they they have the ins and outs and and have the ear you know the mouthpieces and the ears of the people around them they really know what's going on in the business right if if the yeah. if, if the formal leadership will listen to them they actually are critical no well actually pun intended they actually are critical to um, knowing what's going on in your culture and your business. True? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I'm so charmed how how deeply you read this book, Jay. You're a good reader. Yeah. <laughs> well, I loved it because... Uh, you don't need me. <laughs> no, I do, because I do, because I, I, I mean... I tell people that, you know, we do the show. I do. The reason I do the show is I read the book so you don't have to. And so it's a, mm. it's a lot of people, you know, because I want to give people. No, but Jay, everybody has to read the book. It does. Well, this is I'm the thing. Kidding. Yeah. This is the thing. <laughs> you, you, you need, no, they do need to read this book and you need to get it on, it's available on Amazon. You can also find it in your local bookstore. And if they don't. Or the have, library. I'm or, just kidding. Well, yeah. No, we want them to go local bookstore. Uh, because we support local and anyway no it, it's really as it's available Barnes and Noble it's I think it's even in chapters if I check correctly those folks in Canada who listen to the show uh, I believe it's also available in chapters bookstores as well and uh, I, I know chapters well because you guys in Canada bought my books and I appreciate that so much um, but yeah this book the critical few is a must read and this is not by the way put on your big girl pants and your big boy pants because this is not this is not going to be one of those casual reads where you're going to just go, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to dig into this thing. And the, the more that you dig into this book, the more that you're going to find that there are things that you can do in your business and in, and in your culture that are going to make a really significant change and impact into uh, what is currently happening and is going to influence where you're going in the future. And that's what's so amazing about this book uh, as a – like I said, as a coach and a consultant, I found this book invaluable. It was literally like having uh, Gretchen and James and John sitting with me and telling me, Jay, this is how you need to coach. And uh, that's the way I found this book. The appendix in the back, by the way, is unbelievable. They, they give you all the examples. They give you everything that you need. You have the ability to utilize a lot of their tools. They have them available in the back of the book. It's, it's just fabulous. And we're talking with Gretchen Anderson, uh, who co-wrote this outstanding book that you need to be purchasing immediately. And by the way, what better time? Look, you're looking for a summer read, right? Because we're getting closer and closer to spring. I know it's cold for many of you who listen to the show. But it, spring is coming, I promise. It is coming. And you're going to want a summer read. I really am, am recommending The Critical Few to be part of your summer read list because it, it, I promise you it's going to grow you. I promise you it's going to grow you. Uh, one of the things, as a, as a guy who went to graduate school and studied under B.F. Skinner's last student, he was uh, she was one of my um, uh, advisors, I couldn't help but enjoy uh -huh. uh, what you said about behavior. And that is, mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually a quote from another book, but it is that we are, we will change, we will change our thinking faster if we change our behavior than trying to change our behavior by thinking. I, yes, that, it's, it's Jerry Steinemitz. Um, yeah. It is easier to act your way into new ways of thinking than it is to think your way into new ways of acting. I love that. I wish people would grasp that concept. Because yeah. we, 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 yeah. we because we spend so much time trying to go change your thinking, it'll change your behavior. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 yeah. change your behavior, it'll change your thinking. This is why I tell people all the time, you know what, fake it till you make it works. 
Yeah. Well, and they really are highly interdependent, though. Like, a little bit of the tension, the culture, the mindsets versus behaviors debate in culture is a little bit like behavior modification versus psychotherapy, right? right. Like, it's like, sure. a, is it, do we start from trying to figure out history and what is, what is our issue inside, or do we start on behaviors and kind of focus? And I think the data around that is telling us it's 100% both, right? Like, sure. no, that, that battle will never be over because it's the tension between them that the really best psychological work with individuals happens, right? I'm, I'm, we are definitely arguing that same thing in this book about culture. And I think we, we really come down strong on that behaviors piece mm-hmm. because nobody, it's exactly like the left and right side of the brain actually being incredibly interdependent, absolutely, right? And, and incapable of functioning one without the other. Like nobody, in, by really, really stressing the behaviors piece, we're just trying to make people's approaches more ambidextrous mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, culture really is all these other sort of mental and emotional things. But it's just, I can say to you, Jay, start or stop acting, start or stop behaving in a particular way, right. but I can't tell you what to think or what to feel. No. So it, it, you're getting, you're just trying to ground things in the realm of what we can talk about and what's actionable. Yeah. I, l- listen, Gretchen, I am such a, I wish people would spend more time just focused on behavior because, you know, it, it lends itself to another piece that we're going to talk about in this book. And, and that is the measurement piece. Because when I was a graduate student in, at Washington State University, and here I was in the human behavior lab, you know, the one thing we would, you can always do in empirical research is you can measure behavior. I cannot, I really cannot accurately measure your thoughts or your emotions accurately. Yes, I can mm-hmm. survey them, but I can, I, if I, once I operationally define what the behavior is that I'm looking for, I can now measure that. I can measure how many times you do that or how many times you don't do that behavior. I can't, I can't do that with any other con, you know, concept. Yeah. And I think it's just, I think it's. I don't know that businesses, and you, you do so many more businesses than I do, work with so many more businesses than I do. The, I don't know that businesses really have grasped this whole notion of, you know, if you really want ROI and measurements, you need to start measuring behavior. Yeah, and I think it's also the approach to measurement we talk about in the book. I mean, this is really the, the frontier, you know, and, and this is also where I think the next book is. You know, because I think, I think we're living through a moment that there's better, there's better snail trails of data about how people actually behave kind of available through their online presences than I think we could have dreamt of 20, 10 years ago. Um, And I think that allows us to know things that we didn't know before about how people sort of, how people attach sort of attention to action. Um, But I, I think you need to constantly be measuring anytime you're trying to do some work. If you're trying to evolve, let me go all the way back to my green construction company, right? Like if he's, if those leaders, um, if the group of AILs, he got together and said, you're going to be my culture champions, you know, they're, they're going to need to think about those ways of behaving and how they attach to things that we measure in the business because it is by, if that work of culture is hard, what makes it move forward is people seeing and being able to put their finger on real differences and changes, mm. right? If the, their win rate, if their win rate on proposals they've bid for has a jump, I mean, that's a big aspirational one, or if more people are showing up and being at their desks every day, or if, you know, your customer feedback is suddenly like, times X, you know, if you say, here are the things, if we really behave in these new ways, here are the think places where we might see some change. And then you see some change that is the most rewarding and self reinforcing documentation. That is so much better than any memo from the CEO talking about why culture is important. You know, that is so much better than free snacks. <laughs> you know, right, right. that is the reward, you know, and then it grounds people in you're reinforcing the way you want people to behave right. rather than just making them feel good. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And because people want to believe fundamentally what I've taken through decades of working with John Katzenbach is a sort of fundamental faith in the idea that people want to feel like their daily work is helping move a larger whole along. Right. You know, that, that kind of alignment between I and we is a source of joy for people. Um, and, and the culture work and culture alignment and what we talk about in the book is about how do we create institutions mm. where that's happening for people more often, more of the time. And I, I mean, I really do believe in that as a kind of higher order good. Oh, I, I, I could not agree more. I mean, I, and, 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 and the truth is, we, regardless of what your position is in the con- company, we want to know how we fit into the bigger picture. We, we, we all do. We, all, we, we want to know that we yeah. matter. Right. We, we want Definitely. to know that what, yeah. we, what we what we, we want that deeply. We want that in our veins. We, we do. And and, you know, it's interesting because that transition that happens behaviorally, I think. And you, you tell me what your experience tells you. But, you know, we want we would prefer that whoever the person is, that they're rewarded intrinsically right inside themselves. But so frequently it's got to start at least I believe, and I think that's this is what you lead to in your book, is that, you know, the CEO or whoever the manager or the management team is or whoever the leadership team has to buy into it where they are reinforcing the behavior initially so that they can, mm-hmm. so that they can you know, eventually get it intrinsically. Because I, I don't know that it, it starts intrinsically. I don't know. Help me with what your experience is there. I think it has to start, I think it has to start intrinsically because I think it has to be like seeds cultivated from within. You know, I think the, the good news and the bad news is that the best parts of your culture are already inside of it. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, I know that's good. Listen, I, I am, I, I always wonder because I think so often it's a chicken and egg problem. At least for me, it's a chicken and egg problem. For you, it may not be. But for Jay, it's mm. a chicken and egg problem. Of wondering, is there something inside me that's ready to reinforce my behavior appropriately? Mm. Or do I have to have that pulled out of me because it's acknowledged by somebody that says, you, you're doing this particular behavior and this is really a... a a great job and they're selectively reinforcing me by encouragement or words of affirmation or in some way that triggers that you know what i am pretty good at this you know because he's told me mm. or she's told me that now i i get it i can now I've, I've always that's it's one of those curious questions and you know as i'm you know i read every book critically and i was thinking about that i was like going you know when does that when does that happen because i'm not so sure you know, when we focus on behaviors and we look at behavioral change, which is, by the way, is hard. Okay, change, mm. change, change is hard, right? As you mm-hmm. explain, we don't do it well. We, we even if mm-hmm. it's good for us, we don't do it well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes. So I mean, how do you how do you pull that out? Yeah, I, I think like any, I mean, like any chicken and egg question, like we'll never answer that one because it's a hundred percent both, right? Like it is that, and and it is that like if we speak of the individual, it is that external reinforcement, like nobody, let's go all the way to like addiction as a behavior change with individuals, oh, right? Like as anyone knows who's, who's gone through the pain of watching someone struggle with addiction, that has to come from an internal decision. There is no way a group of people can surround someone and tell them that they need to change, right? Like that has to be an individual decision. But as you also probably have witnessed with anyone, you know, who's struggled with this, there's, tons of external reinforcement that supports all but the most ruthlessly autonomous of people in recovery, right? right? Like it's a hundred percent both. It's an individual decision. And that's a very dramatic example, but I think that's true of any individual's attempt to change behaviors. You know, you have to create a system that will reinforce it, but a decision to change needs to start with you and then to go all the way to an organization wide level. If we're talking about organizations, if we say, every individual's change has to start with them. We as leaders or influencers sort of wash our hands of the issues, Mm. right? Like we have to believe, we have to believe that people make choices of whether they're showing up and how they're working together and all of those things. And we have to accept that some people will leave Jay, Mm. 
right? right? Like we, we have to right. be pragmatic and realistic, but we have to say if we want our culture to evolve, to better align, to support this strategic objective, we have to say let's reward, reinforce, surround, acknowledge the behaviors that matter mm. because that is the way we're going to get this ecosystem to start to develop more form and shape and purpose. Mm, love it. We're talking with Gretchen Anderson, co-author of this great book. It's called The Critical Few, uh, Energize Your Company's Culture by Choosing What Really Matters. Available at bookstores everywhere. You need to purchase this. Matter of fact, why don't you purchase two? Give one away. That's kind of my thing. I always say, why don't you purchase? <laughs> I like that, Jay. Why don't you purchase more than one? It's a behavior, right? You know what? Behave well. You know, <laughs> yeah, right? measurable. Why don't, yeah, why don't you? Here's what you need to do. You just need to find me and you know that I'm all over social media and the internet. You just need to find me and just say, hey, Jay, I purchased four books and I'm giving them away to friends. Good. Let me know. And I'll pass those along to Gretchen. She'd be happy to know that. And that would be a great behavioral thing for you to do. Uh, it's critical for you. It, fantastic book. Uh, really is something that is going to, I promise you, will change you. Uh, will change the way if you are in management, if you are C-suite anywhere, if you're in leadership, uh, and I don't care if it's profit, nonprofit, I'm, this book is really a game changer. I, I, I wrote that to PJ Lorenz. I said, this is a game changer book because it really is a book that it is going to change the way you think about uh, where you work, how you work, what are the things that the people around you are doing. And we are so privileged to have Gretchen uh, with us, Gretchen Anderson, of course, who co-wrote it. And she is brought to us today by who else but inline business brokers and advisors. You know, inline business brokers and advisors have literally helped thousands thousands of clients in the sale and purchase of businesses when it's time to sell your business contact the professionals at endline business brokers and advisors and you can learn more online at endline.com that's e-n-l-i-g-n.com so gretchen one of the one of the premises that in, in this book that i think comes out and i i really want people to hear this from you because i can say to somebody like john hansen uh I could say to him, John, it's going to take it, any sort of implementation that's going to have some sort of an evolutionary effect, meaning that a change over time, is going to take time. It's, it, it, there, is, there is no such mm -hmm. thing, right? As, or is there? Is there overnight success is there, in, when it comes to these type of changes that we're talking about? No, I absolutely, I don't believe in overnight success when it comes to culture. Um, I think that there are quick wins, and I think those quick wins are important because, as we were talking about earlier, related to measurement, they become reinforcing. Essentially, what a, what a quick win does is it becomes a proof of concept for people that an organization actually can change. You know, we all have sort of a natural skepticism that changing how people behave is possible, <laughs> you know, right. like we, we naturally, it's, it's easy in our cynical minds to just think that's the way things are and to be sort of fatalistic about it. Mm -hmm. So I think any kind of a, a shift in energy, a shift in equilibrium is really important. I, we landed on a, I was working with a leadership team recently and we landed on I spent a long time talking about how things could be different given these circumstances and those, how could they become more externally focused organization wide, you know, lots of top, lots of conversations. And I asked them to land on a single behavior that if everybody did more of just on that leadership team and the behavior that they came up with was never send an invitation to a meeting without defining what the outcomes of the meeting are expected to be and what you'll do before you walk into the room together. Now, that's radical. Like, it's kind of boring, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's not. Like, it's, it's so radical. Think about if every meeting you had on your calendar, someone did work before they walked in and we had decided beforehand what the outcomes would be, you'd have less meetings and you'd have meetings that were to the point and really effective and you would have more time for those external customers, right? And that, and, and even the energy of realizing that there was one behavior that if everybody tried to do it, acknowledging that it would be hard and that they would need to make that change. That was a kind of like, you know, I felt like I was walking out of the room with them with a kind of quick win that they'd even landed there. At the same time, 
A, is that going to change everything? No. B, did all of them even do it? No. Because, of course, it was hard. Sure. Right. Like like they have a lot of things that reinforce the previous way of behaving, including the expectations of everybody else who wasn't in that room. So, it, it you know, there it takes time to make simple things change. And yet simple things changing are the ways that we get to much bigger changes. Mm. See, and I love simplicity because I, I think simplicity is elegant. I think it's mm. I just I just find simplicity to be elegant. I also find it to be very difficult sometimes to convince uh, sometimes certain leaders of the that simplicity is your best friend because sometimes yeah. they, they want a clever acronym <laughs> right? mm-hmm. that that doesn't necessarily fit and and I by the way I love that whole meeting thing I would go if I knew that I that I know what the outcomes were going to be at the end of a meeting just that alone if you told me that these are going to be the outcomes that we expect at the end of the meeting, I would show up to that meeting. What, right. 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 I, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, just even if you gave me that. Yeah. Because. And you'd also feel a sense of energy. Like when I look at a day of meetings on my calendar, I feel very, ta- you know, I feel very tired yeah. thinking about them. But if I knew that each one would be this like energizing moment where decisions got made, I'd be right. like, yeah, that's my day. And, and isn't it, isn't it, why don't we, Gosh, it's such a simple thing. I'm thinking about what you just said here about meetings. I'm like going, who doesn't, who goes to a movie, right, where they don't look at what the, what the, you know, synopsis is and what the, you know, what is the movie about, right, of what the movie is. You pick your movies based on yeah. it, right? Yeah. Why would you not make sure that your meeting was like a movie? Here's what we're, here's the synopsis, and this is what you can expect. It's going to be an action. Okay, this is going to be an action flick. This is an action meeting, folks. Get ready. Yeah. It's, well, and I think, but again, all the way back to, all the way back to the point of the book, like that, that particular behavior would work if, I mean, also the reasons you wouldn't do it all the time is A, it's harder. Right. B, sometimes the point of a meeting is just everybody share ideas of what they're working on, and that's valid. Right. right. Like the the caloric energy to make every meeting that decisive and powerful might not be worth the effort. You know, it's like so again, it gets all the way back to I would say to you, Jay, before you get super excited about running with that idea, what's the problem we're trying to solve for? Right. You know, what's the what's the priority here? Like it's going to be hard to change if you're going to really focus on changing that particular behavior. The other ones are going to fall away. You know, is this your yoga mat in your suitcase? Right. Right now, okay. Wow, you did a callback on me, Gretchen. <laughs> when I did stand-up comedy, and I failed miserably, by the mm-hmm. way. We use callbacks, right? Something we said earlier, and then we call it back later. And you did a callback on me. That was beautiful. I, oh, thanks. I, I, I still think I, I, I understand what you're saying, but even let's say it's an idea meeting. If you told me, mm-hmm. you know what, this is an idea meeting. Here's what you can expect. We're going to have great ideas at the end of the meeting, I would go, I'm in for that. If that's all we're doing is ideas, at least I can be ready to contribute with something that's going to be changing. Right. I mean, to mm-hmm. me, to me, I, I, w- I would love to see that, you know, in, 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 in a, in a meet- I know, I know it sounds so simple, but it's just at the same time, I'm like thinking, wow. Yeah. I, I, be, I mean, I would love to have that you know, movie trailer, right? Give me the, give me yeah. the meeting trailer. Yeah, also, but that's Jay, that's you in the business you're in, right? Like right. you're, you're in the ideas business, right? You know, you're creating something every day and you're doing something hugely creative. Right. Most of us aren't right. Most of us have a really functional, there's a functional reason where I need to be in 75% boring meetings. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I've got, you know, st- and I think that's okay. Right. You know, I think being really pragmatic and realistic about things like that is part of what this book is about and what I think I'm, what I think I'm preaching for. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I, and by the way, you're preaching and I love it. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm part of your congregation. Trust me. I am part of your congregation. <laughs> Do you know that we've been on almost an hour? Oh no, I never would have guessed that. What fun it's been. It's been, it's what been a, a pleasure. blast. This has been a blast. I, I got to tell you, I yeah. really enjoyed this. I, I tell people when they do this show, I tell the authors because I interview the best-selling authors all over the world, and it's such oh a, yeah, that's me. You've nailed, nailed, you nailed me there, Jay. I know I did. I know I did. <laughs> but you're fabulous. You're really, really, you're fabulous. And and I love the fact that we've chatted about this book, and I love your book. 
Uh, again, it's called the critical few and it's energize your company's culture by choosing what really matters. You need to literally, you need to pick this up. You need to read it. If you, if, if people were looking at my book, I, I'm pretty sure there's more yellow highlights than there are actually white uh, because I literally almost highlighted the entire book. I, matter of fact, I had went through a high, uh, brand new highlighter pen. That's that's how much highlighting mm-hmm. I did on this book. So Gretchen, before I let you go, I ask uh, every guest before they go. Mm-hmm. The show is entitled "A New Direction," where we help people find a new direction in their life or their career or their business. If you could share with people, for you, based on the critical few, what would be a new direction? that maybe you would share with our listening audience? A new direction for myself or a new direction that everybody should take based on this? Yeah, for everybody. Yeah, that that everybody should take. I would say pay attention to what it is about the culture of, think about the people that work around you every day, even if you're a freelancer, Mm. you know, or an entrepreneur working in a tiny company. The culture is the set of norms and principles in the way that work gets done around you. And I think, think as much about how it's strong and supporting you as you think about how it's broken and how it needs to change. Not because I'm asking you to be a starry-eyed optimist, because I'm saying to you in a practical way, that's just a much more useful way to think about it. And you'll get a lot more out of yourself and about other, other people if you're looking for that, if you're looking for the sources of energy. Mm, that's beautiful stay with me Gretchen will you please ladies and gentlemen Gretchen Anderson I know right you want to stand up and cheer for her don't you because you should because she's outstanding the book is great Uh, pick it up Amazon Barnes Noble your local bookstore make sure you pick it up again it's called The Critical Few it's a beautiful cover uh, crimson and kind of orange it it almost uh, has this uh, uh, Virginia Tech look to it I am not saying that that has anything to do but it does it almost has a Virginia Tech look to it if you're into that type of thing but seriously check out the book you're going to love it and I don't care where you're at in business this book is fantastic I'll be posting my Amazon review uh, later today and it'll be up if you want to get a review of my review of this book which is outstanding I could already tell you what it's going to say right it's like having literally a coach with you by just reading this book and actually got three coaches with you when you're reading this book because that's the way I exactly felt when I read the book so uh, pick it up it's called again the critical for you you're going to enjoy it folks like I say every week listen you know what Uh, be inspired because when you're inspired you can inspire others and when you inspire others they in turn inspire those around them and if we're all doing that we just make the world just such a greater place and I am so grateful for all of you who listen to the show, who are downloading the show, who are streaming the show. I thank you, UK, Sweden, uh, and 10 other countries in this world that are listening and watching to the show. I, I thank you so much. And so with that said, folks, I will see you next week with another great author, I promise. I'll talk to you later. Ciao, everybody. And the answers don't make sense You've got to keep your hope alive You've got to know you can survive This is your time to fly A new direction, a brand new day A new direction, things are gonna change Dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength Don't worry anymore A new direction A new direction A new direction Different way.